0: Imagine if every time you drove your car down the road, Mm. every time a car crashed, the wreckage just carried on going at thousands of miles
1: an hour and just never came to an end. Yeah, that's basically what we're looking at with uh, Space Junk. The Interplanetary Podcast. The exploration of space for the benefit of all mankind. Your hosts here in London, Matthew Russell and Jamie Franklin.
0: Welcome to the Interplanetary Podcast.
1: Putting, Putting the, the ace
0: back, back into, into space.
1: space.
0: <laughs> I love the fact that you do the explosion and I always edit it out.
1: <laughs> Stop denying the people what they're asking for, Matt. And, and by people, I mean me. Sorry, I won't. Next so time. So, Matt, what, what number are we on now? It's podcast 17. It's Friday the
0: 13th, but that's okay. Well, it is okay, but I'm, we're going to talk about space disasters today.
1: Oh, are we right? That's it. Space debris. It's an amazing and, world. After looking at after looking at the notes you sent me, um, but you know, it's you know pretty insane those, when you look at the figures, isn't it? it? It's one of those things. It's like it's like no one wants
0: to talk about it. Yeah, but actually, there's quite a lot of articles on space debris, and there's there's some really really interesting ones. Now, the the one bloke that sort of needs mentioning the most is a bloke called Donald J Kessler. Yes, because he came up with. Tesla syndrome. Ah, here we go. So which is all about how space junk, as it goes around, can actually cascade into this kind of disaster of collisions going absolutely yeah. everywhere. Which of course is the premise of the film Gravity,
1: if absolutely. anyone's watched
0: it. It's what it starts off with, a, a cascading satellite disaster. Which starts with a Russian blowing up one of their own satellites, but it's the Chinese that sort of do that sort of stuff as well. Soon I mean it discover. still
1: does blow my mind that not more of it happens than, than it does. Um, oh, it's when unbelievable, you think about isn't it? it. You know, when yeah. you think about I mean, how many satellites are
0: currently up there? Oh, well, there's, there's about 2,000, but just under 2,300 commercial mm. and government satellites orbiting the Earth. But yeah. the, the sort of real danger area is the low Earth orbit, or Leo, as it's called. Yeah. And there's there's about just under 800 satellites in that region. And the reason why that's such a bad region is it'll take hundreds, if not thousands, of years for them to either decay out of that orbit or just disappear out into space. So it, it's like it, it's it's a complete disaster because you can't get rid of the stuff mm. without like a major major effort.
1: So what's the what's, what's so so at the moment what's the what's the score? score is that we've got about six hundred thousand
0: pieces of space junk that's God, not include, that's, that's nothing not. to do with the same and that's that's with, with bits that range between one centimeter and ten centimeters in yeah. size and there's m- probably hundreds of thousands of more that are smaller than that yeah and and that's causing on average about one satellite every year to get destroyed in this leo orbit in the leo so, Which then, ironically, this... makes more space junk, and then more exactly space junk. It, exactly, <laughs> this just gets worse and worse, which is what the Kessler effect is yeah. all about. Now, everyone's been a little bit worried since about 1978 that uh, that this is going to suddenly sort of, will have one of these collision events that cascades, and this will actually mean that we won't be able to use low Earth orbit for mm. thousands of years. This could be the end of, of the type of... Space that we' we've come so used to, and all these satellites that are in there is just unbelievable so we you know it's it's stuffed full of satellites that are really useful at that range.
1: I like the guy who um, I mean we'll talk about more about this guy later, but I like the guy who explained this as being a bit like the film Wally. um about how when at the end they have to sort of fly through all the space junk to get out of earth and and it's really difficult. He said it's yeah. not too. It's not too far. You know, it's not. It's not really that much of a fantasy film. You know. No. Well, I mean, already when when
0: you're doing space launches, you have to take that all into consideration. Mm. The space shuttle was routinely smacked by a little bits uh, uh, when they looked at the post flight on the post flight inspections. There's tiny little amp, impacts all over it. Yeah. Um, but the most famous kind of one of these events uh, that's happened, and it doesn't happen. It's amazingly. There's been surprisingly few disastrous collisions Uh, Mm. there was one in 96 when a French satellite was hit and damaged by a French rocket but the most famous actually is in 2009 early 2009 yeah an Iridium 33 satellite crashed into a Cosmos 2251 Mm. and and that was a head-on collision about seven about just under 800 kilometres over Siberia right Uh, and so guess how fast their combined speed was Ooh, I've no idea. Hit me. Thirty-eight thousand miles an hour. That's insane. So, so that's like that's like twenty times faster than a bullet. So these things just sm- and can you imagine the energy from that? So that so this collision basically caused about one thousand six hundred of the cosmos went flying off, and about six hundred bits of the iridium went flying off in all different directions, and so that's gone down to four hundred kilometers high up to 1,300 kilometers high so it's created this like swarm of debris in a massive area
1: of of space so forgive my ignorance Matt but but is there any danger of any of this space junk getting through the earth's atmosphere and crashing down to earth
0: there is that space junk does hit the earth occasionally but it's kind of actually space junk it would be good if if leo objects came down and uh, and went into the atmosphere, because on the yeah. whole, they burn up. Yeah. And the ones that don't are very likely to land in, in uninhabited areas. I mean, no yeah. I don't, as far as I know, I don't think anyone's actually been killed by space junk. Yeah. I've seen some brilliant pictures of bits of space junk that have landed in uh, the outback in Australia and stuff mm. like that, and people have
1: found them. It's and cool thing to fire. find... Definitely not a cool thing to find hurtling towards you whilst you're in your car, for instance. Well, no, Well, there was a bit of a long-march rocket that landed in, a, in, in an area. Yeah. But, the,
0: but the main problem is just the, is, is the debris in space because it's travelling so fast. So mm. the International Space Station, for example, just due to this Iridium Cosmos accident, has had to do two pretty major manoeuvres. So in 2011, it had to move out the way, and in 2012, all the crew had to go into the Soyuz spacecraft... While pieces of the Cosmos two two five one debris pass by, you know, and so that's these the, the Soyuz act as a kind of lifeboat. So you can imagine that uh, that they all sort of get into the Soyuz, and and that's how bad it is that these that bits of debris. And Tim Peake was even talking about a piece of space debris that's embedded in the window of the uh, International Space Station. Everyone sees it as a kind of that this is how. Yeah, English. yeah, this is this is serious. Yeah,
1: yeah. Blimey. I mean, the International
0: Space Station has like a thick, thick, heavy layer all around it mm. to stop my, uh, all these bits of debris and micrometeoroids and stuff. So like let's that.
1: excuse the pun, but let's break this down. So mm-hmm. let's have a look at what. So space junk is predominantly bits of of rockets um, uh, and 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 uh, dead satellites and broken satellites. Is it mainly those three things? It's mainly those three things. So, yeah, it's mainly
0: bits of old satellite. And it's the old satellites that they realised recently are the sort of big problem. Yeah. So I think in 2002 or something like that, uh, it's now compulsory that all satellites are able to, to, um, at the end of their life... Find and uh, go up into the graveyard yeah. orbit, yeah. which is like about 500 kilometers higher. So they, they've all got to sort of retain enough fuel to be able to move up into that orbit. Yeah. But you know, it, it doesn't help when the Chinese in 2007 blew up one of their satellites with a with a with a, with a missile just to show yeah. the, the world how how good their missile technology. <laughs> yeah, was. that doesn't. And that help. created 3,000 bits of um, of
1: debris. Yeah, that must have angered a few people when they did that. It's just.
0: It's guys crazy, check out our missile oh for god's sake and so now the the sort of race is on to kind of find ways of clearing this junk and obviously this is actually so much harder than you think because these things are traveling five times faster than a speeding bullet hmm. so it's like it's it's not it's not an easy thing to do to get all these you know thousands and thousands of objects yeah out of the way. So um, there's a few ideas. One of the early ones was a thing called Project Orion, that was which was basically a massive space laser hmm. that would um, ablate the side of these bits, and they would sort of slowly fall down into the into the atmosphere that way. Hmm. It was like a sort of laser broom. The, the most recent ones, and uh, I'm here in Guildford, actually recording this, and so uh, and this one is from Guildford, the Surrey University. Nice. And that's the remove debris. Uh, mission uh and there's one in japan that's literally just happened it was remember the uh the kunatori 6 that went to the international space station uh the other day the resupply mission the japanese Absolutely. one yeah that the, so they they part of that mission was the kunatori integrated tether experiment mm. or kite and that basically attaches an enormous dangling rope uh, from the side of the um, satellite. Isn't it like half a mile long or something? Yes, the length of six football pitches, so something like two thousand three hundred feet, something like that. Yeah, that's insane. <laughs> and 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 I think a lot of people think that this thing just sort of trails behind and knocks bits down, but it doesn't. What it does is it it it. As it as a massive long cable goes round the Earth, it yeah. interacts with the magnetic field of the Earth and creates an electric current that actually pulls what you've got uh, attached to it down into a lower orbit. And, and apparently, not, it worked, uh, and you know.
1: so right, okay. So is it using the ma- sort of a magnet to to draw the? Bits of metal in. I think it sort of creates an electric current that actually displaces some of the energy of the
0: satellite, so that it loses energy and therefore drops in orbit and start starts slowing down and therefore falling into the falling back to Earth essentially, yeah. and, and then therefore burning up. So that's that's one way of doing it. The, yes. um, which was very very recently tried out. So I, I don't. I think maybe the Japanese have been the first to actually get there and and be the first to actually try a proper mission out. Also the Tamu space sweeper map. Oh yes, the Tamu space sweeper. Which I was just t- checking out earlier. I mean,
1: it, it's amazing. I mean, we don't know all the details yet, but it's got extendable arms on it that can harness momentum imparted by capturing and ejecting one object to the slingshot onto the next chunk of space junk. So it can kind of harness momentum, throw a bit down to earth so that so that it can then Move up to the next uh, stage of orbit uh, and collect the next bit of space junk. It's very, very cool. Yeah. You should definitely check out this video on the blog. Yeah, it's awesome.
0: Actually, I, I love I love the fact that they've tried to figure out a system that uses the energy that, of yeah. the, of the space junk to actually help get to the
1: next bit of space junk. It's really clever, yeah, isn't it? Exactly, that? because that's 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 the big. That's the big problem, isn't it, is that obviously these bits aren't all in one uh, convenient sort of orbit and space. So, you know, you have, it takes a lot of fuel to to reach the next bit. Yeah,
0: it's an enormous one. I guess that's why the la- that space laser broom was kind of good, because you could sort of pick things off from a distance at, and, and yeah. you didn't have to sort of go and get them. Whereas this Absolutely. one goes and gets them and actually uses some of the energy to go and get the next one, which I thought was really, yeah. really... That is really, really, really great. cool. Yes, that, that is... That's well cool. And yeah, the, the remove debris one from the Surrey Space Centre, mm. uh, basically that's, uh, it's, a, it's a technology tester, so it's going to fly up uh, and it's going to release various different micro-satellites and then yeah. practice different uh, techniques of bringing them down. So one of them will mm. be a net, one of them will be a harpoon, one of them will be a sort of weird sail... That uh, yeah. slows it down and, and just stuff like that. So it's a kind of tester of active debris removal, or ADR, as they call nice. it. So that's so that's that's one, and that's that's supposedly launching this year. So the Europeans will be very much ahead there. But ED Orbit is the European one. Now ED Orbit's really interesting because uh, it's looking at a, a satellite called Envisat. Now Envisat was yeah. one of Europe's largest ever. Satellites that, uh, uh-huh. that that they launched a while back. Now, when did they launch it? They launched that in 2002. Yeah, on an Ariane five. And it's an enormous, oh, uh, you know, you know it's enormous because it's on an area <laughs> yeah. of 2.3 billion d- uh, euros this thing cost. Jeez. And it's been replaced by the Sentinel series of satellites. And, and funnily enough, Sentinel-1 yeah. actually has recently published pictures of one of its solar panels that got damaged because it got hit by space junk. <laughs> so, but but en- Envisat oh, itself is this huge, huge, huge satellite that, mm. that uh, weighs eight Thousand kilograms, so eight metric tons. Yeah, that's and this is absolutely in the worst area possible. It's at that five hundred mile high, eight hundred kilometer. Yeah, uh, Leo, and that's just about the worst place it can be. And this Mm. thing is drifting around, and it's very, very lightly that it's going to smash into something. But the problem is they've lost control of it. This thing, they've lost control. It hasn't worked since two thousand and twelve so now it's the kind of the thing that everyone thinks right if we're going to move one piece of junk let it be that piece of junk that we go for so ED Orbit is planned for 2023 and it's going to go up on a Vega rocket and they're going to see if they can grab this thing with either mechanical tentacles or a net
1: and try and drag it back down into the Earth's atmosphere I'm going to plump for mechanical tentacles just because it it means that the films that come out from it will be, be much better yeah, my, yeah i i i wonder
0: if the uh, the surrey removed debris uh, yeah. thing because they're gonna they're gonna have a net and a uh, harpoon and mechanical arms on that to test the different things mm. i wonder if if the results from that will be used in this ed orbit mission
1: yeah i hope so i imagine they will yeah i hope so you would have thought so I mean, normally these things don't go to waste, do they? The uh, the knowledge that we learn from from things like this. But uh, so
0: so there's there's all those different ways of clearing it up. But but one of the problems actually, uh, when that Russian and American satellite collided, yeah, they've actually sort of come to the agreement that neither of them are going to take responsibility for it, and mm. they sort of it's kind of like a, a gentleman's agreement. But it's like these yeah. things, if one crashes into one. And it's like, oh, that's your fault. There's like a £2 billion asset that you've just mm. destroyed. And then the debris from that then goes on to smash into another £2.5 billion satellite. And you go, well, where's this going to end? Whose liability is it that they left this like, bit, bit of space junk? And this is the problem, is that you can't go and remove these things without the permission of
1: the people that launched the satellite. That seems ridiculous, doesn't it? I mean, yeah, when so you the say remove stage, something that's broken, it's like, well, yeah, what are you yeah, going yeah, to get out of it
0: now? Yeah, you're not yeah. allowed to touch it. You're not allowed to touch it because it, it's under the jurisdiction of the launching state. I think we, we, need, so I think
1: we need a new law, Matt.
0: Yeah, so that it's that's I think that's really interesting. So that I think that's one of the, been the, one of the sort of slowing points of how to actually make this thing work. So obviously the Europeans are going to go up and move this Envisat, but they couldn't, for example, go up and move a Russian satellite that was equally as dangerous. Mm. I think I'm going to start an online petition. It's worth mentioning at this point. There's a, an organisation called JSPOC, which is the uh, Joint Space Op- Operations Centre, which is like a military thing, but they yeah. are the people that work out all these different bits of space junk and where they're going to go and if they're going to smash into each other. And they are also the people that instruct satellite owners and the ISS to kind of where they can manoeuvre to mm. and w- what happens when they've manoeuvred to that point and whether they're at risk of another collision, etc., etc. So it's like a, that's a massive undertaking in itself. Yeah, and that's that huge. actually. That works on a, on a thing called uh, Socrates, which is a publicly available conjunction uh, assessment tool. So you can actually download Socrates. It's another one of those really painful acronyms that, uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that they've kind of cobbled together. But, uh, yeah, so you can get Socrates. Now, what's amazing is this weekend there was an enormously close Call. So the Socrates had uh, decided that uh, there was a 44% chance that two satellites were going to have a head on collision at this 800 kilometer uh, altitude right. mark. And it was like, uh-oh, uh oh. And that's another sun synchronous orbit. And it's like, oh no. So, so. And one of the reasons why it's very, very hard to actually tell where satellites are at any one time, particularly mm. dead ones, is the fact that the Earth's mag- the Earth's gravitational field and magnetic field is really uneven. So mm. there's massive dips over Canada and things like that. so it's not it's so as the Earth spins underneath, it wobbles all the satellites, and then you've got the moon wobbling it, you've got the sun wobbling them. you know it's got all these different effects actually Thanks. affecting Thanks, Canada. Yeah, I mean it's all, it's always <laughs> their fault. So, uh, so yeah, so the, this DMSPF fifteen and uh, Meteor one twenty six were the two satellites that they reckon are the candidates that J Spock were talking about as a forty four percent chance of crashing. Mm. I have put a picture of those on the blog because it's always worth seeing what these things actually look and like how and how big they are. Oh my god, they were gonna they were gonna smash into each other at, the, at you know ten times the speed of a bullet. Yeah, that's not so that's these not pretty. these. They, no, so that one of them went up in 1976, the old uh, an old Soviet weather satellite, 1976, mm. and the other one is uh, went up in uh, 1999, an American mm. uh, satellite, another a weather satellite. Uh, but luckily, they did avoid each other, so that that never happened. Blimey. But it well, makes that's... you realise that there's there's these huge satellites that are no
1: longer working. Yeah, and it's it's crazy, isn't it? And there's so much stuff out there that whilst people say it's rare. It's not that rare. Do you know what I mean? No,
0: it's not that rare. But here is a completely different perspective on it, Jamie. So... Uh, I heard an interview with uh, a woman known as Dr. Space Junk. Oh, I like her already. <laughs> she's Alice Gorman, and she's an Australian archaeologist, and she's she's very, very famous for her knowledge in indigenous stone tools, yeah. so presumably aboriginal stone tools. Uh-huh. But uh, she also decided, oh, hang a second, and she's... Uh, space junk is archaeology of space, that, that these these objects are really, really important part of our heritage. Absolutely. And so she, start, she started, you know, studying all these uh, objects. Like, I mean, she's especially uh, interested in things like Vanguard 1 and all those kind mm. of um, satellites they are still up there that form part of, uh, of uh, our space heritage. Yeah. And one of the things that she uh, was saying was that... Uh, When we have space tourism, people will go up and they'll say, oh, let's visit uh, the Vanguard 1 satellite and things like that. So actually, that would be the interesting thing. You you know, when you go to uh, Vienna, you want to go and see historic things of historical importance don't you yeah and that's absolutely. one of the things you do when you go on holiday so and she was saying all these things but but went to very interesting detail of the sort of things that have been flown up into space that have been almost forgotten about like copper needles they that they, they, they flew up these sort of 10 centimeter or something copper needles hundreds of them as as a part of way of bouncing back radio signals back to earth and then they found a better system but these kind of copper needles are still up in <laughs> in leo whizzing around yeah you wouldn't want of those of our... to hit you <laughs> No. so it's 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 really interesting that she
1: sees welcome to space no, we shouldn't ah! be getting yeah we, we shouldn't be getting rid of these things they're part of our cultural heritage absolutely i mean the only i i, I just hope there's going to be a gift shop matt yeah,
0: and and there's one other thing that's, that that relates to space debris yeah. that I thought was super cool, and that's a, a project called Project Adrift. And yes. if you go on their website, it's one of those beautiful websites, really arty, and it's um, it and it and it goes in, and you can adopt a piece of space junk, but it's Aww. all about the problems of space junk, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But there's a fantastic. Uh, it's by a filmmaker, Catholic. Coutier or Couture uh-huh. and a musician called Nick Ryan and Nick Ryan and they're sponsored by the Royal Astronomical Society in London Nice. and uh, I've noticed that Nick Ryan's got this machine called the Machine 9 which is this huge metal sort of looks like a a, a loom machine you know some kind of uh-huh. uh, enormous almost like a wax cylinder because it's got uh, like a record deck head yeah. shells pressed up against this metal cylinder and it tracks um twenty seven thousand pieces of space junk and transforms that there uh, there as they pass overhead it transforms them into sound so that you can kind of listen to the sound of space junk above you that's a cool, very is cool. That? so yeah that's a website that's very worth going to it's 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 very informative it's super cool and uh, i'm definitely going to see if I can
1: Hunt out where Machine 9 is. So, just one more time, that's Project Adrift, uh, project a d r i f t dot co u k. Check it out. Yeah, it's amazing,
0: brilliant. So, yeah, how interesting is Space Jump? Yeah, I mean, I, obviously, a, they've got I'm to do something it. about it. it. I mean, obviously, I'm not a big fan of it, but I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of reading about it. Well, you know, there's nothing wrong with you know, Alice Gorman's a big fan of the uh, space junk. Yeah. Uh, you know, so uh, yeah, uh, there's a space junk blog that she does that's really really fantastic. So check out Alice Gorman's Dr Space Junk blog as well. Dr Space Junk. Yeah, check that out too for sure. Very very interesting subject. Um oh. It's it's obviously just of utmost importance, and I'm amazed that people in NASA can even get to sleep. Yeah, I know. Come on, guys. You know, it's oh, I tell you what's funny. uh, Piers Sellers, the um, Mm. the American astronaut, the who was the third Briton in space who died recently, he he actually has got one of the most famous contributions to um, space junk when he dropped a spatula. (laughs) it's (laughs) It's <laughs> that's, uh, in Project Drift. There's a there's a scene with uh, and quite a lot of interviews with Pierre Sellers actually. And there's a scene of him sort of cleaning up this. Uh, uh, I think on the International Space Station, scraping stuff off with his spatula. What? And then a conversation later on on a spacewalk where he's going, "Well, I put it somewhere. I'm, I'm sure I put it somewhere."
1: <laughs> it was, yeah, <laughs> it's really fun. It's amazing. Wow. So he was using a spatula on a spacewalk to clean the space station and then just let it go. Yeah.
0: Well, it, it, I think he thought it <laughs> It was sort of clipped onto his tether, but I don't think it was.
1: So it, it's just. Well, I don't think there can be a second spatula in space. No, I think we're there's only. Surely, got to be the first. Let's hope so. Wouldn't it be funny if it, if it survived re-entry and someone was yeah. just cooking with it somewhere? Just came down a bit singed, you know. <laughs> this is a really heavy-duty spatula. It's ace. <laughs> yeah, this apple pie has got a story. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Maybe they could use it to serve that meat pie. Yes. Now we're getting somewhere. See, everything goes and goes around, comes around, Matt. What comes around, goes around. Yeah, especially uh, in orbit. So what else has been in the news, Jamie? Well, there's been bits and pieces. Oh, I
0: don't really know where to start, Matt. Well, I'll tell you where to start. You tell me. You know, I was taking the Mickey last year out of a company called X-Space. Oh, yeah, what have they been up the to? Chinese, the kind of Chinese SpaceX? and I yeah. said there might be a launch by the end of the year. They have they have launched it last weekend, So, uh, oh. well, actually on Monday. So the Monday just gone. We had a launch of China's Hongzhou One A, which is which is uh, Chinese for "speedy vessel." Awesome, and it, and it's like a it's um it's actually nothing like a, a dragon or anything like that. It's as a as a as a space launch vehicle, it's more like the Epsilon, that Japanese rocket that we talked yeah. about, or the Vega. In fact, funnily enough, that Japanese Epsilon. Remember, we talked about how they'd had uh, large chunks of of the designs had been nicked. From their uh, servers, Mm. and they were worried because it could obviously be used as a ballistic missile. Yeah. Well, this this uh, and not and I'm not you know I'm not obviously saying the Chinese have nicked it, but it's uh, it's very similar in design this Chinese Qianzhou satellite to the Epsilon. So I'm just saying, Uh, and uh, it's it's supposed to be used so you can launch something very very quickly. So if there's a disaster say somewhere, you could quickly get one of these things together and launch up a little. cubesat as a kind of way of looking down at, over the top of this disaster sort of like a very posh
1: drone that's so cool actually matt i'll tell you what talking of cubesats tomorrow we are january the 13th today but on the 14th tomorrow we have japan's uh, ss524 rocket Ah, oh, yes that is going to be a launch tomorrow well i mean the launch tomorrow that we should really be talking about is rtf yeah. return
0: to flight spacex falcon Nine. Monsign- yeah. Elon Musk. <laughs> yes, <Yeah>, so Elon <laughs> So SpaceX should finally be returning to flight tomorrow yeah. with more Iridium satellites. Everyone so they don't keep all smash. Your fingers crossed Don't panic. What
1: could possibly go wrong? <laughs> what could possibly go wrong? is Iridium oh, and SpaceX. Come on, like, SpaceX notorious. Knock this out of the park. <laughs> Twenty seventeen. Here we go. No mistakes. Uh,
0: yes. It, it, I mean, this is the one that we've got to watch tomorrow. Obviously, yeah. we'll be tweeting all over
1: that. It's got to happen. Uh, and actually, uh, if you looked at um, there's a, there's there's a live stream at the moment, I believe, a spacewalk that you can watch uh, online. Which I mean, obviously, yeah, actually, you'll hear
0: this a bit later,
1: but definitely go back. We and We should check mention it out.
0: the spacewalks. Mm. We should mention the spacewalks. Yeah, they've been on the International Space Station. They've been uh, changing lots and lots and lots of batteries. Yeah. I think that's what they've been doing. So they're replacing the old batteries with these super, super, duper batteries. Nice. And I th- I believe uh, Tim Peake laid some of the groundwork for that.
1: Yeah, it's cause something that you don't really think about, isn't it? You know, batteries on the space station. Yeah, I guess it's, it's like, like your, your t- TV remote control. <laughs> you never think you'll ever have to change them. But, you know, yeah, it, but well, I, that day comes.
0: <laughs>
1: so, <Sorry. laughs>
0: Yeah. And then uh, later on this week we've got uh, an Atlas V that's going to be launching a military satellite. Uh, uh, it's got no solid rocket boosters, so it's just a four hundred one four meter fairing, no boosters, one Centaur
1: upper stage. Sitch, sick. I've got a final thought for you, Jamie. I thought this was. I like uh, here a final we thought. Uh, so we're, we're, a proper, like a final we're a proper thought. podcast now.
0: <laughs> here is my final thought. Uh, you know Mars bars, don't you? Oh, it? big time! Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Mars, massive company. Yeah. Now, they've just bought another company called VCA. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Uh, And uh, their main business is pet care. Okay. So, here we go. Americans spend $62 billion
1: a year on pet care products. (laughs) So, when you say (laughs) pet care care (laughs) products, what are Mars going to be making? Like, their chewy bones? But with, cho- I, I, with chocolate
0: I, I, in it, I, I've, I've, no. I, I guess like that the, sweets isn't a big enough business for them.
1: They want to get into the well. Pet I mean, care, if there's so sixty two million pounds being spent on pet care, they want a piece of that pie. So sixty two billion, no billion, not million, billion, billion yeah, yeah, on pets. Yeah.
0: What's NASA's annual budget?
1: NASA's annual budget is nineteen point three billion.
0: That's like only a third of what America spends on on its pets. Yeah, in that's fact, it's insane. 0. 0.486% roughly half a percent of the uh of the total budget
1: wasn't wasn't there talk <laughs> so, of it being upped to one percent or is that have i made that voila, up?
0: i mean i mean but yeah i mean that would be a significant increase wouldn't it, it that would, be. would like double their um, yeah
1: double their figures i mean, it's just but yeah just like you crazy. put some you know the stat reading the stats it is crazy uh, former NASA Administrator Mike Griffin mentioned recently that US consumers spend more on pizza than NASA's budget. $27 billion a year on pizza. <laughs> Jeez. Um, it, 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 it's my favourite one. Uh, it, well, other than the
0: $586 billion, <laughs> which is orders of magnitude more on gambling, Yeah, they also spend $64 billion on illegal drugs. Of which, then they have to spend twice that on the healthcare related to that drug use. <laughs> so yeah. so uh, yeah, if they just said right, no illegal drugs this no year, no drugs gonna, or gambling, uh, then we
1: could but then we could easily colonise Mars. Then there would be you know about another six hundred and fifty billion to spare. Definitely, yeah. I mean, definitely I wonder, achievable. I wonder what the uh, I wonder what the
0: percentage of our budget is spent on. On UK space, that is agents. a good question, That's Matt. A we'll have to find That's a good good question. out. So, uh, so uh, well, anyone out there know the answer? Please uh, email, absolutely, or, uh, and
1: keep emailing your questions in. We love hearing from you. So, if you've enjoyed today's podcast, please uh, subscribe on
0: iTunes or Stitcher and give us a nice review. Subscribe. Matt, please Just give subscribe people
1: our website address. What's the best site to go to? It's www.interplanetary.org.uk. Oh yes, get involved, and um, and we'll speak to you next week. Absolutely, thanks very much for joining us again. Cheers, guys. You've been, uh, you've been lovely. <laughs> you <laughs> have. <Bye-bye>. Bye. Bye. <laughs>